Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. We are just doing a message today that's got a little bit to do with Father's Day, but before I get into it, I've got to just, I got to come clean. Um, I've been keeping a secret for a very, very long time. I know that there's been some like murmurings and things like that. People, you know, kind of wondered and questioned. Um, and I just got to, I just got to be honest because I talk about honesty all the time. So I got to be honest with you guys. And Yes, yes, I am. I am Superman, Super Dad. <laughs> I am uh, Superman on a budget. I was not going to rip my buttons off my shirt. Um, because even though I may not be Superman, I'm married to Superwoman, and she would have probably hurt me bad if I had ripped the buttons off my shirt. But, you know, being a dad is kind of a tough thing. You know, you go across a gamut of, like, thoughts about you and feelings and expectations. And I'm like we've talked about already, there are some among us who have sort of ruined reputations of dads. And then every single one of us has messed up. And, you know, in just a short, short amount of time, just a few years as you're a dad, you go from being Superman, right? You start off being Superman. You know, a lot of times the very first word that children will say is what? Dada or dad or something like that. Moms have been there doing probably 99.9% of the work and effort, you know, doing a lot. Now, I mean, dads, we all pitch in. You know, y'all heard my story about my first diaper change and all that. I did many more since then. But, you know, but mom's doing it. And then the very first thing, and they're like looking at a little baby, holding that precious baby, doing everything, feeding, changing, doing all that sort of stuff. And the baby, when it starts talking, dada. Really? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but we go from being the, the man. And when they start to, like, get a certain age, you know, boys especially and, and girls, too, just love their dads. And they think, you know, you can do anything. You can reach, like, something that's on the table. And they're like, whoa. You know, because you're just so big, right? And you're Superman. You know, your dads are Superman for a while. And then you get to this certain time in life right about the teenage years. And you're not even cool enough to be Clark Kent anymore. I mean, it's just like, you're like way up here soaring with the eagles. And then you're like the little bird poop on the ground, you know? Because, I mean, for most of my life being a father, I was the tallest, biggest person in the family. I'm not super tall, but I'm not super short. I'm about six foot tall. And I was the tallest guy in the family. But then my oldest son, he started to catch me. And then he's like measuring up to me every single day. He's every single day, ooh. And then my, my, he passed me. Yeah, he passed me. And, you know, I started trying to think of ways like, you know, injure him, make him stun his growth. I, just a little bit. I didn't think about it for a long time. But then my um, now 16-year-old Daniel, he started passing me. And he, like, Luke is competitive, but Daniel is competitive on steroids. And, I mean, from the time he was, like, you know, 13 years old, I'm going to be taller than you, Dad. I'm going to tell you, know, like, all the time and just measuring up all the time. And now, if that, and he passed me, and he even passed, Luke don't want me to say this, but he passed Luke, too. And then my, my now 12-year-old, Josiah, he's, all, he's, he's creeping up. 
And I'm like, come on, give me a break. How do you go from being tallest in the family to in just a moment being like fourth tallest? You know, it's just not right. And I'm probably shrinking a little bit. I'm probably not even, you know, right at six feet anymore. And, and it's just frustrating. He's waiting for the day that he passes me. And it's hard. And, you know, and when I was, uh, when the kids were young, especially... You know, the first two older boys, I was still like, you know, playing a lot of basketball then and, you know, doing all kind of stuff. And I, you know, I could still, gravity was not completely taking over my body like it has now. And now I can't jump over, if y'all know what a phone book is, I can't even hardly jump over a phone book. But, you know, but back then they're like, man, you're the man. You know, like, you're like Michael Jordan's here, you're here, and then LeBron's down. I'm sorry, I had to get that in. Um, but, you know, you're here. But now it's like they think that they don't even remember that I could play basketball. And the two younger ones, man, they'll never think that I could play basketball. And, and, you know, and it's just like you go from up here being Superman to being nothing. But then from what I've seen, especially like in my own relationship with my dad, you get to this certain stage of life where then you realize, your kids realize, oh, yeah, dad does know a little something. And dad, you know, he's got a lot of skills and a lot of abilities. And hopefully you go through that cycle and hopefully that middle section is not too long or too disheartening. But I want to say this this morning. I want to lay out a challenge this for me and for any dads. And I'll go ahead and tell you, if you're not a dad, you know, if you're a mom or you just don't have kids yet or, or any, fill in the blank, listen in. Don't, don't tune this out. Because I think there's stuff that we can all learn, whether we're a dad or a mom or a brother or a sister or whatever. But I want to talk about the superpowers of a father. I want to talk about the superpowers of a father. And sometimes, as I said, it can be a daunting task to think about being a dad one day. Or think about being a dad while you're in the midst of it. Or just thinking about being a good parent or a good example. And it feels so overwhelming. It's like, I don't have superpowers. Have you ever just wanted to say that? I'm not perfect. And unfortunately, a lot of times people are like, yeah, no, you're not perfect. <laughs> they speak up really quickly. But here's the thing. The beauty of these superpowers that I want to share with you this morning are really not all that super. It's just powerful things that make a big difference. And you might think of it is that these aren't just like they're not anything super, 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 but they're just things that make a powerful impact and they can be like gas on a fire of how you want to influence other people. And so, like I said, whether you're a man, woman, child, whatever, I want you to listen today because these are things we can all learn from. And I want to say one little thing. I've got to qualify it because I don't want to oversimplify, but these things that I'm going to share with you are simple but they're not necessarily easy. You know, you got to remind yourself of that. It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. The first one is this. Dads and anybody else, you need to remember the power of speaking up. The power of speaking up. And what I mean is this, and this is not fun, so I want to get the really, really tough one out of the way. Dads need to correct their kids. You know, you caught it in a little video, you know, it was sort of a humorous thing, but the one dad said, wait till I tell your mother, and all the dads were like, no, oh, oh, you're not supposed to do that, right? Because guys need to take a lead and, and be a father figure and be somebody who helps with the discipline, not just put it all on mom and just really stand up and say, hey, I'm going to guide my children and speak up. And it's so important, and here, here's why. 
Because I got a negative example that I want to share with you from Scripture that really makes an impact. You might remember hearing in the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Eli. Eli was a dad, had a couple of sons of his own, and he became an adopted dad, if you will, or a surrogate father for a guy by the name of Samuel, who was a great prophet of God. But the sad thing is, is that even though he had a really, really good positive impact on Samuel, he didn't quite do what he needed to do with his own two sons. And he made these horrible mistakes, and he didn't do that well with his own kids. And this comes from 1 Samuel chapter 2, if you want to follow along your Bible. We're just going to read a few verses here, but we've got them on the screen, of course. But it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. That's, that's tough, right? That's tough. This guy was a priest of God, and then by default, it was handed down the role, the lineage. These two boys of his, these men, were also priests of God, but it says what? They did not know God. They did not know the Lord. And that's a big red flag that we need to make sure we pay attention to. And, and, this, and this is for everybody. So if you've already zoned out because you think, well, I'm not a dad or I'm not ever going to be a dad, here's where you tune back in if you already tuned out, all right? Just because you come into a church building, just because, and we talked about this a little bit recently, just because you do Christian things from time to time does not make you a Christian. You know, no more than you going and sitting on the floor of a garage makes you a car, right? You know, I mean, it's just, it's just not the way it works. And so dads, we need to make sure that we speak up and correct our children because this priest of God, this intermediary between God and people who had his sons that were supposed to be intermediaries between God and people, they did not know the Lord. Look at verse 13 uh, in chapter three, excuse me. And it says, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. This is God speaking a, a prophecy to Eli. It says, for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. So he says, there's going to be judgment on Eli's house because he, what did it say? He, what? He knew what they were doing that was wrong. And he did not correct them. He did not restrain them. And because of that, there's going to be punishment. That, that's scary, right? But you would hope that maybe it would maybe wake something up. But unfortunately, maybe too much water had sort of gone under the bridge. And they had had those, in, those habits ingrained too deeply. Regardless, here's what we need to understand. We've got to speak up against sin. Now, this is why I said it's important for everybody. Because especially in our society today, especially in our society today, we as believers have to speak up against sin. Now, I've got to make a little bit of a disclaimer, a little bit of qualifier, because that's important. There are some people who call themselves Christians, and their favorite thing to do is speak up against sin and just blast people. You know, I've got my, my Bible gun, and, doo, 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 and I'm just slaying people, you know? And, and that's what they think is the Christian thing to do. I believe that we need to be known by our, like Jesus said, our love, but we also need to understand that sometimes love means telling the truth that's a difficult truth as well. So we've got to find that balance and speak up, but especially for fathers, and that's sort of who we're thinking about today, dads need to speak up and correct their children. Discipline. You ever thought about the fact that the word discipline and another word that we use in the church a lot go hand in hand? Discipline and disciple. 
And we're called as believers to do what? Jesus' last command before ascending back up into heaven was what? Go and make disciples. And so discipline is involved in discipling people, and especially our children. And it says Eli didn't stop the sin that he knew, and his sons paid the price. 1 Samuel chapter 4, go a chapter farther, verse 11. And it says, And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Sad. It's a sad story. His two sons died because of their willful disobedience to God. When an enemy came in and attacked, the ark of God, the dwelling place of God amongst his people was stolen and his two sons died because they were supposed to be there protecting it. And here's a, a passage of scripture that you may not have heard. Maybe you've read Proverbs a lot before, but here's what I want us to understand. Before we get into that is this. In our culture, in our society, it may seem really popular and like really good wisdom to withhold discipline. But I believe we've seen, because have you ever noticed that, especially if you've lived a little bit, I'm not going to call you old if you're old, but you know, if you've lived a little bit, I'm getting there. Have you noticed that things a lot of time are cyclical? They go in cycles? People say, oh, we've got this brand new idea that we're going to try and this is going to change the world. And then if you've lived long enough or you've studied history, you look and say, well, they tried that 100 years ago and it didn't work too hot. If you want to try it, go ahead. And so now we've seen that before. People have went through a period of time and they said, don't discipline your children. And then we are reaping the benefits or, excuse me, the, the pain of that now. But now people are saying that again. Oh, don't discipline your children. You don't want to hurt their little feelings. You know, uh, you need to hurt their little feelings sometimes. Because we talk about from time to time is that all of us, not just our kids, but all of us can be dumb sometimes, right? We even talked about our hearts as believers can be deceitful above all things. We need to discipline them. Why? Because we need to learn correction. And here's why this is so important. Because even though the world may say we don't need to discipline our kids, the Bible is really clear in Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. I don't know too many of us are going and getting rods, and <laughs> I'm not advocating that, but I'm advocating discipline. I'm advocating discipline. He says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him or his daughter. And we need to understand that. What does it say if you don't discipline your child and teach them right from wrong? What does it say that you do? We don't want to say that out loud, do we? Because a lot of our culture, even within the church, has fallen into that lie, into that trap, and they said, oh, I'm not going to discipline my kid. They've got to learn. They've got to make their own choices. I mean, at a certain point, but you don't make, let a toddler make their own choices. They'll be eating cereal and rocks for breakfast every day. You just don't do it. And you've got to extrapolate that as they get older. And there's certain things that they need to learn because you have been there and done dumb things and paid stupid consequences. You don't want them to necessarily do that. And if they will listen and absorb it, you want to pour that knowledge and that wisdom into them. And so it says that you hate them. And if that doesn't convict you, here's what I want you to hear from Proverbs 19, verse 18. Look at that. Discipline your son, I say, or daughter, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him or her to death. The Bible says clearly there 
that if you choose to discipline your child, there is hope for their future. But if you choose not to discipline them, then you are having a hand possibly in their death. That, that's tough. And we hope that that doesn't happen physically. But the sad thing is, is that a lot of times we're a lot more concerned about whether it happens physically. And we don't ever give one care about whether it happens spiritually. And so we got to discipline our children. And I know you're excited about this message because it's so enlightening and encouraging. But we need to hear the hard truth sometimes. And we need to discipline and love and step up. And what we need to understand is that if we are sentencing our children to at least spiritual death if we don't discipline them. And we are guilty in that if we don't discipline them. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 goes and it relates trials to God's discipline. And it reminds us that fathers are supposed to discipline. And it even says, you know, you want to receive discipline because it makes you better is, is the idea that's given there in Hebrews chapter 12. Well, that's the first thing we need to do is the power of speaking up against sin. Here's the second thing, the power of showing up. Here is the best thing that I can say. It is probably the easiest one. I started with a really tough one. We got that out of the way. Everybody go, take a breath. A few of y'all just hold your breath because y'all stubborn. Okay, I get you. So today we're talking about the next thing is the power of showing up. This is so important and it's actually easy. Everybody do something with me for a second. Take another breath. Let it out if you want. Look around. Guess what you just did? You showed up. You, that's all you got to do. You just have to be. You have to be there and show up. That is, it may sound like, oh, thanks for that, Bobby. I appreciate getting out of bed for that this morning. But a lot of times we forget that just showing up is a huge deal. I mean, I could go on a sideline here and talk about what it means for each of us to show up and gather together with the church. It just changes people's lives. People get to see your smiling face and encourage you. And so that's the lesson for everybody that all of us need to get. But especially for those that are tasked with the responsibility of being fathers, the power of presence is so earth-shattering and life-changing and life-giving. And there's a brief moment in Scripture that I want to draw our attention to that is, just shows the power of showing up. And it may seem small and minuscule, but that's honestly why I chose it. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Simon the Cyrene? He's not mentioned a lot in scriptures. He's mentioned in the Gospels. And specifically, one place is in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. Jesus is on the way to the place where he's to be crucified and he's carrying the cross and the crossbar and the weight of it is knocking him down and he stumbles and here's where we pick up and it says, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus to carry his cross. And you may be thinking, why, why is that important? I mean, number one, I mean, he's being basically forced to by Roman soldiers. And so how does this prove anything? But I just want us to understand just what the fact of just showing up and being willing to step up when needed does. It is a life-giving thing when people step up. And I believe this is, now this is a little bit of just kind of looking at the greater context and thinking about this. But do you notice it points out the names of his sons? That is key and important. And most scholars believe that that is because Simon, uh, excuse me, Rufus and Alexander became vital parts of the church 
later on after this event was recorded and after the church began as recorded the book of Acts because it pointed out their names so that those that would read it would say, oh yeah, I know them. And so I think that's such a powerful thing is that because Simon, their father, just showed up in the moment and was obedient and did what he was asked to, I would bet, now this is my guess, this is Bobby's opinion, this is you know conjecture here, but this is my thought, I would bet that that sparked something in him, seeing Jesus suffering the way he did. And he went there and watched him as he was lifted up on that cross. And I would bet that he became a follower of Jesus if he was not already one through Jesus' ministry. And either way, it seemed that it made a great impact on his sons. And here's one place in particular that a lot of scholars point to that seems like at least one of his sons was greatly involved in the work of the church. In Romans chapter 16, verse 13, Paul writes, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. And a lot of scholars believe that that's the same Rufus that's mentioned there in the Gospel of Mark, the son of Simon the Cyrene. And I chose that little obscure reference because I believe that's the thing that we need to understand. Just being here is half, if not 90% of the battle, being present and being willing to step up when needed to fulfill roles. You know, part of our mission here at Movement is to serve God and serve people. We talk about loving, serving, and moving all the time. And you just don't know the impact that you will make by simply serving and filling a role here at church. You know, I'm a church planner. You know, we moved our family here, and we came and, you know, even had an extra kid. We're like, hey, we need some more people on the launch team. Let's have another baby at 40 years old. <laughs> that was not the plan, but we love it. But throughout different times and stages, even early on when the boys were a lot younger, we would look and we'd catch them just doing jobs that nobody asked them to do, like a lot of you do. But that was like, that's one of the greatest, you know, there's a lot of times I feel like a failure, but those are some of the times that I'm like, man, I do something right. Because I don't remember many times, they might argue with you a little bit, but I don't remember many times that I've ever said or Sherry's ever said, you're going to get up and you're going to do this and you're going to da 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 There's not many times that we've done that. There may have been a couple of times we had to get them out of bed or something. But they saw us serve and they saw people like you serve and they said, well, that's what we do. Because the power of presence of just showing up and being willing to fill a need, it makes an impact in eternity. And you just never know what is going to happen. I mean, I've got pictures of, uh, you know, Andrew, I think it was, at a very young age, like dragging a chair that was taller than him, you know. And nobody told that little baby at that time to do that. He just saw it modeled by you and me and so many other people. And so when we show up and we're present, we make a great impact and you'll impact your children and other people's children in powerful ways. Because here's a, a saying you've all heard many times before. More is caught than taught. You can kind of talk until you're blue in the face and tell your kids the right things to do. But the most powerful thing, now you need to tell them things right. But the most powerful thing you can do is what? Show it and do it and let them see you do it and do it with you. Well, the next thing is this, the power of stepping up, the power of stepping up. So we've talked about simply the power of speaking up, the power of showing up, and the power of stepping up. 
And I say this because we all know, we've talked about this already, there are people who maybe your father wasn't the greatest father, or you don't have your father around anymore, or maybe you don't have children, and you don't, you know, you, you can go through any scenario. Maybe, you know, you'll never be a dad for whatever reason, but the truth is, is that we can step up and help fill a gap. You don't have to be a father to make an impact and one of the greatest examples of that is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, uh, we can tell from his writings and we can tell from history that he was not married, did not have children. But there's a couple of different times in Scripture when he refers to people that were his spiritual children. Timothy, who was the, the preacher at the church at Ephesus, and Titus, we see him as well. He didn't have children of his own, but that did not stop him from making an impact. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, Paul writes, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, he considered him like a son, and he was willing to pour his life out for him and into him. And then Titus chapter 1, verse 4, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. You think about how he just invested in these people, and you know they were able to carry on the work of the kingdom, and that there are people who you, know, you can trace down the family line because he was willing to step up and be a spiritual father to them. That's something that anybody and all of us can do. We can be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, a spiritual spiritual brother, sister, uncle, aunt, you know, we can be all of that if we just step up and, like we said in the previous idea, fill a need and fill a role. You know, one of the greatest examples that we see besides Paul of somebody who stepped up and was a father when they honestly didn't have to be? Jesus had a heavenly father who was his father, but he had an earthly father by the name of Joseph. And it's easy for us to think, oh, well, he had to do that. No, he didn't. He had a choice. He had a, every opportunity to, you know, it says his first idea was to what? To go and divorce her quietly when he found out that she was expecting a child. You know, he wasn't going to shame her, but he was going to just divorce her quietly and just let her go on her way. But he stepped up and he did the right thing when God explained it to him. And so even our Lord, his earthly father, stepped in and filled a role that was needed. So I want to encourage you, no matter what your position is or no matter what your relationships are, if you've got a family, there's always room for more. You know, it, 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 there's people in our church, no matter how young or how old, that might need you to be that shoulder to lean on. You can be a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, an aunt, or an uncle, a grandparent spiritually. You can be all these things if you just step up and are willing to help people. There's so many people who need a father figure, and it's not just kids either. And you can make an eternal impact on people if you're willing to step up. And the last idea is this. And this is the most important. It's not necessarily the easiest. I might have fibbed a little bit. The first one was really hard, but this one can be difficult. But it's the power of sharing Jesus. The power of sharing Jesus is the most important one that we can do. And yet again, I want to remind you of a simple, simple story that we don't get a lot of detail about. A guy by the name of Jairus. Jairus was a man in the Gospels who, as far as we understand, probably wasn't a follower of Jesus at this point. He was a synagogue leader, and so he was a guy who was highly respected in the Jewish faith, and so he had every reason not to follow Jesus because Jesus was already considered a rebel. 
And so he was really having a difficult time, but he heard about Jesus and he knew that Jesus could do some things and that might have put him on the fence, but then something came up in his life that caused his hand to be forced. Do you remember this story? Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 41. It says, And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only, excuse me, he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. I just got to say this here really quick. When life gets difficult, that's when you kind of get off the fence a little bit, right? He might have been unsure about Jesus beforehand, but when his daughter was about to die at 12 years old, he said, now it's time. I've got to get to Jesus. And I'm saying, I hope and pray for all of us, and maybe this is just the time God wants you to hear this right now. I don't want you to wait until there's a horrible circumstance about to happen or you're worried about something to chase after Jesus. Do it right now. Do it right now because there are eyes all around you watching you and they need your example to step up, to show up, to speak up. And it's time for us to share Jesus. And it says in verse 49, if you skip a few verses down, it says he goes and he gets with Jesus and he's um, on the way. Jesus is like, of course, I'll go and I'll heal your daughter. And they're on the way. And this lady who had also been suffering for 12 years with bleeding comes and she stops the crowd because she's just, she doesn't want to interrupt anything. She just wants to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus being God, he feels the power leave him. And he's like, who touched me? And they go into this whole thing. He stops and heals her. And just as they're about to move on, you know, Jairus is probably crawling out of his skin, right? I mean, he's like, my, my daughter is sick. My daughter, come on. I, I want this lady to be healed. You know, I'm reading in a little bit but I think it's probably true he said I want this I want this lady to be healed but let's get going come on can we go Jesus uh, wouldn't that be your idea yeah and so they're getting ready to make their turn to go and here's where we pick up in verse 49 while he was still speaking someone from the ruler's house came and said your daughter is dead do not trouble the teacher anymore but Jesus on hearing this answered him do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. He goes to the house with them. He only invites the mother and father in, and he takes a couple of the disciples in, and they go into the place, and he raises this little girl from the dead. And man, it's an amazing event. And I just want to challenge you to realize that when we are in a moment of crisis, there is probably nothing that we won't do to get somebody we care about to help and safety. And especially in the spiritual sense, I hope and pray there's nothing that we won't do to get our loved ones to Jesus like this man Jairus was. He didn't care. He was like, I'm going to push through the crowd. I'm going to risk my whole lifestyle. I'm going to risk my whole job because I'm a synagogue leader. And if I'm giving allegiance to this, this rebel rabbi, there's no telling what's going to happen. I don't care because I want my child to be well. Well, I want all of us to have that same fire and intensity right here, right now, because this world is dying including those that we know and love who don't know Jesus yet or have not made him Lord and we don't need to wait till they are on the verge of physical death we need to speak up right here right now and lead them and share Jesus with them because it's the most important thing we can do and so we're called to share and that can be a superpower that we simply do and here's something I, I want you to understand this is so important because there's chances are 
especially with this topic that a lot of us are probably saying, well, I, I, I want to do that. You know, you just, I, I just don't know enough Bible, Bobby. You know, you, you went to Bible college. You've been trained for this. You've been doing this as a career for, you know, 20-some years. I just don't have that. But here's something I want you to, to take note of. It didn't seem that Jairus knew a lot about Jesus. He just knew enough. He knew that Jesus was saving lives. He knew that Jesus was healing people. He knew that Jesus could raise people from the dead. And he might not have known the hows and the whys and the ifs and the buts and all that sort of stuff. But he's like, I'm going to get my kids to him. I'm going to get my kid to him because I believe that he can do it. If anybody can, he can. And so here's what I want you to, to wrap your mind around. You don't have to become an expert in Jesus before you share your faith in Jesus. When you think about the man who was healed, uh, being born blind from birth, what did it say? You know, he said, I don't know if he's a prophet or not, but I know this, I was blind, but now I see. He didn't know, he couldn't give you a discourse, he couldn't stand up and preach a sermon, but he said, I was blind, but now I see, and sometimes that's all you need. You chase after Jesus and you gain more knowledge, yeah, but you don't have to wait until you know everything, enough to write a term paper about Jesus. To share your faith, just tell people what he's done in your life and get the people you love to Jesus. So here's how you start. Or here's how you continue if you're already doing these things. To share Jesus with your family, you make a commitment to church. I, I got to stress that. To make a commitment to being together with the church family. You know, there, I, I've seen it, unfortunately, especially being in, in, you know, youth ministry for years before I was preaching and all that sort of stuff. You know, I was closely connected with a lot of young people and teenagers. And you would see parents who just, you know, made everything else a priority besides church. They had, the parents had great faith, and they wanted their kids to have faith, but then they made everything else a priority. And then when their kids got old enough to really choose if they were going to go to church or not, a lot of them just chose not to go to church. And the sad fact was, they weren't like their parents. They didn't have faith and just missed church sometimes. They stopped having faith. And the parents were heartbroken. They're like, why, why, why? And I'm not saying they caused it, but they didn't help it. And because they didn't make it a commitment to be together with the church and encourage one another. So we've got to make a commitment to being together with Christ's body on a regular basis. Don't, don't get all upset and think I'm saying you've got to have perfect attendance. I'm not, you know I'm not saying that. But we make it a commitment to be together with the church. You make a habit of Bible reading. I've been talking about this with my boys because I've been through different stages in my life as a believer. There's been times when I said, well, I'm just going to read every couple of days. That's all I really need. I'm not a bad person. I've given up a lot of those sins that I used to commit. And one of the things I told Josiah this yesterday, because he was just baptized a few weeks ago. I said, the longer I've been a Christian, the more I realize I can't go many minutes without spending time in God's word, much less many days. The more I know him, the more I need him. It doesn't get that you need him less the longer you know him. It's the more you know him, the more you need him because you realize just how much you fall short. So make a habit of Bible reading. And we do some Bible reading plans that we share. We've got one that just started a day or so ago. We've got no excuse. We've got plenty of opportunities. You don't have to read for four hours a day. You know, you, if it's just one verse, but you get something out of it, that's good. And then pray with and for your family. Pray with and for your family. 
Can I be honest? This isn't the joke honest, taking off the shirt honest, but this is honest. This is probably one I've struggled with a lot. I pray for my family all the time. I mean, a lot, a lot. I pray for my kids, my wife. I, you know, I pray about, but there's far too often I've allowed the busyness of life to not pray with my kids. And so I stand up before you today and say, I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to pray for them out loud in their presence, but I'm also going to encourage them to pray with me more. And I, I hate that I've done that, but that's something that we have to do because we want to build that habit in them of leaning on God and trusting in him. And then the last thing is this that we want to do if we want to make sure we share our family with Jesus and Jesus with our family is chase after Jesus. Chase after Jesus, even when you mess up. Because here's the thing. A lot of us want to do what's right, and then we maybe get caught up in our old way of life, our old sin, our old habits, or we just feel unworthy, and we just, you know, we get busy with life. We're not necessarily doing bad, but we're just consumed with work, and we're consumed with moving up the social ladder, or we're, you know, you fill in the blank. We're consumed with our activities. I mean, it can be anything, and we just feel like, man, I'm just, I'm falling so short. And we say, well, okay, now I've messed up. I can't go back. That's a lie. Straight from the pit of hell. I know people who they get distracted and they start missing church and they're like, man, there's no way I can show my face. I can guarantee. Some of y'all are old enough to remember that commercial. I can guarantee that there are so many people who are waiting just like the father of the prodigal son that are waiting and watching for you to come running back to the body of Christ with, with us. And that when you walk through the door, whether it's been days, weeks, months, or even years, that a lot of them are going to be knocking each other down to come running to you with open arms. And I know I'm sort of preaching to the choir here, but I want you to store it away in your brain in case you ever get lost and find yourself away from the church body and away from your relationship with God. If you've been watching online and you haven't been back in a long time, we want you to come back because we are ready just like the father is looking for the prodigal son to return. We're waiting and watching. Run to Jesus no matter what no matter what people think no matter what people say no matter what you think they'll say even when you mess up chase after Jesus because people are watching and they're learning from your example show them what it is to follow Jesus all it takes to have dad superpowers or mom superpowers or brother or sister superpowers is to speak up to show up, to step up, and share Jesus. That's all it takes. It's actually, a lot of it's just being present. So today, if you need to make sure that you're going to be present with the Father, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we'd love to help you do that. Baptize you into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you need to come back home. Or maybe you need to say, I just need to renew my commitment to chasing after Jesus. Because I've got a lot of people watching me and learning from me. Let's not hesitate. Let's not leave today without running back to the Father. Let's stand the same. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.